there, people of the interwebs. Welcome to the Bookies Podcast, a monthly book club podcast where a group of friends get together and talk about books. Um, but before we jump into this episode, um, The Child Thief, I want to talk about um, Collectors. It's a Kickstarter by a friend of mine, Eddie. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, um, you know I'm a comic book geek. Uh, Collectors is um, my buddy's webcomic. It's deep geek uh, culture. Basically, the way I explain Collectors is it's kind of like geek hit, um, uh, the Big Bang Theory if it was actually funny. So it's deep comic book culture. It's funny stuff. It's, it's um, you know, my buddy's webcomic. Uh, and right now he has a Kickstarter going on. Um, there's, as of this recording, there's 25 days left. It ends November 11th. Um, just go over there in the kickstarter.com, type in collectors. Um, you know, this is his sixth annual collection of his webcomic. Um, part of the Kickstarter, you can get one through, you can get the past issues. Um, it's a good read, it's fun, um, and, uh, you know, just let them know Bookies sent you, you know, in the comments or whatever. Uh, yeah, like I said, Eddie's a good friend of mine, we've done a couple comic convention panels, or we did a comic book convention panel together, and he's a fun guy, and I really do enjoy his webcomic, and, uh, like I said, if you've been listening to this, you kind of know my taste in comics, and and novels and stuff, so, like, I recommend it, and, and, uh, I hope, uh, you know, you guys check it out. Right now, there's 25 days left in the campaign, and, uh, there's some good, you know, good tiers offered there. Uh, so, bef- also, before we jump into today's episode, I want to talk about patreon.com slash destinycomics. We have been retooling and working hard on our Patreon.com. Um, you, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're a ravenous reader. And one of the tiers we offer is bookmarks. Hand-painted, watercolor bookmarks, one of a kind. Um, and, uh, you know, as well as early access to this podcast. If, if you can't wait for the next episode... You can get early access over at patreon.com slash destinycomics, um, as well as a, a whole host of other things, access to painting tutorials and videos, and and uh, we're going to be doing a bunch of stuff over there. Uh, hope to see you soon. Without any further ado or gilding the lily, uh, I hope you enjoy this uh, episode of The Bookies as we discuss The Child Thief. Yeah, you are gone conveniently. Yeah. Uh-huh, work. Uh, we are the Bookies. I'm Brandon Noel. Wayne Abraham. David McFarland. Maylene Noel. And uh, today we are reading um, The Child Thief by Brom. Uh, Wayne, did you put this one in the consideration? I may have. <laughs> I don't remember. If I did, it was like way back... 
when like the first three sessions <laughs> uh, I I swore it was Justin I swore Justin put this I I slept since then <laughs> <laughs> Justin says he's never heard of it never heard of it okay I have read it before <laughs> okay so I'm the likely culprit <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so because you know the other likely solution is a, just the TARDIS you know, just <clears throat> throwing books out there <laughs> yes so, Wayne, in the advent that you may have suggested this... <laughs> Why did you think you might have suggested this? Yeah. Uh, at the time that I read it, I thought it was a good story. Of course, I'm really into folklore, and this has uh, some heavy basis in Scottish, English, and Welsh folklore uh, in the back of it, so... Yeah. Uh, you want to uh, just give a com- uh, quick plot uh, synopsis. synopsis for the listeners? It is a much darker retelling of the Peter Pan story. Very dark. Just so you guys know, there's some stuff in here in this book that some of our members had trouble getting food. So just FYI to anyone who has not read this or is considering getting it, it's a good book. Just be warned that there is some subject matter that may or may not be hard to get through just as a precaution. <laughs> yeah. Not like saying the, it will the be hard. The epilogue deals yeah. with child abuse. And the prologue, yeah. Or prologue, prologue yes. Sorry, so prologue. just throwing that out there, I mean, not saying don't read it to say, <clears throat> be warned it might be hard to get through. Sorry. Yeah. I promised Bonnie I would throw that in there. Oh, yeah, I'll mention that too, but... Okay, go ahead, sorry. The... Uh, the interesting thing to me about the story is instead of Neverland, it's the fairy island of Avalon. Is where he takes the lost children. In this instance, it's not just boys. He, he quote unquote rescues. <laughs> Kids that are abused, runaways, uh, you know, orphaned, lost, and kids uh, that society probably won't miss. Mm-hmm. And he uh, takes them back to Avalon, and uh, they have their own little section of the forest. They live in the devil tree, and they call themselves the devils. And they fight and train. They're trained to fight in a very deadly manner, as as behooves youngsters being quick and fast and go in quick, low, cut an Achilles tendon, get out. Then your opponent can't chase you. Then you can come back and finish them off while they're. Stumbling around on the ground, kind of thing. Yes, things that you know all t- you know teenagers know. <laughs> yeah. The reason why the kids are young is because the magic of the island does something to the kids, but adults it warps them into twisted monsters. Sort of. Sorry. Yeah. There, when you get through the story, you're just going to be thinking that. Uh, Oh, all these flesh eaters—they're all—they're all monsters. But you'll get—you'll get to it when if you read the book. 
Yeah. So basically, the child thief is Peter. He doesn't go by the name Peter Pan. He just goes by the name Peter. And the the book itself does a lot of backstory with flashback on their Peter's origin. He had a human mom, but he had uh, his father was a forest spirit of some sort. So we find out who in the end of the book, but and the the main protagonist of the story is the uh, boy Nick that Peter acquires in chapter one. <laughs> so. The author has a very good uh, afterword in the book that explains why his mind started wandering along this darker path of Peter Pan and uh, goes into the folklore that he used to populate the story with. So yeah. don't skip over that. Part. No, actually, I, I thought that was, since you're bringing it up now, because it's something I wanted to talk about. Um, there's in that that afterward. There's a line from the original um, Peter Pan story about, talking about the Lost Boys, and if there's too many of them, Peter will thin them out. That was the inspiration for mm-hmm. the, the darker the, version. The yeah. darker How version. does he thin them? Does he put them? Or if they get too old? Yeah. Does he put them in dangerous situations where they'll die, or does he actually kill them himself? Is, you know, this yeah. is where Brom started thinking about that darker take on Pan. And it, 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 when you read that line, yeah, you definitely see this interpretation just kind of unfolding. Kind of one of those things where you kind of go down the rabbit hole, and this is. Where it led, you know, is this book. Yeah. This leaves you to the imagination of what you want him to do. Yeah. Okay, so Wayne, what were some of your favorite parts of the book? Characters, whatever. Uh, I liked a lot of the flashbacks and the backstory of Peter's origins. He was born, he's like six days old and he's bored and decides that he wants to go talk to his family <laughs> and so he gets up and with a little bit of practicing for in about ten minutes he's walking around and after a couple of failed attempts he's speaking words and they're like freaked out ancient <laughs> Norse type people and they're like changeling changeling kill it take it out in the woods to die cause as you do <laughs> yes so that's what would you expect if if your child at six days or year old six days old started walking already and started saying Papa hey how are you doing well, I would, I'm I would be freaked out well I'd be freaked out <laughs> and I'm thinking hey there's a lot of things I don't teach this kid now <laughs> we skipped the whole teaching process <laughs> so <clears throat> it was uh, his mixed heritage. The uh, people on the island of Avalon looked 
sadly at him in that they realized that although he would age to, you know, a, probably junior high, somewhere there abouts, that he would never become an adult. He would always be a boy. And they informed him of this fact rather sadly, and he's like, cool by me. I don't want to be an adult. I don't want to grow up. You know, I'm fine being a kid forever. Yep, and he ended up being 1,400 years old. Mm-hmm. You know. But it's a very long time for anyone to live, really, regardless of what body they're stuck in. Yeah, you know. And, and that was just, uh, you know, Av- Avalon was kept alive by the Lady of the Lake. Modron and from Arthurian legend yeah in the back of the book he, he gives like he said all these nods like oh this I pulled from this mythology this I pulled from this short story this I pulled from that and this is a lot of different mythologies in play um and it oddly works, like in ways. It that works really well together. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't expect it. Like if someone just came up to you and said, "Okay, imagine this character from the Legend of Arthur mixed with Peter Pan, mixed with you know, you probably at least I would have a hard time thinking. Um, would that go together? You know, it'd be really hard for me. It, it blended very well together. Uh, one of my one of my favorite characters is they refer to her most of the time as the witch, but Ginny Greenteeth, mm-hmm. who's from English legend. And you know, she she's cooperated with Peter several times in the book, but she's deadly serious that he owes her an eye, and she intends to get one of his in exchange for the one of hers that he took. And uh, so she's not being fun and games about that. But when when it comes time to say, hey, everybody on Avalon needs to band together in this battle, uh, she stood with, yeah. you know, when some didn't. Yeah. So Yeah, she was loyal, you know. She she's not she's not the total villainous creature that you yeah. you get the initial impression of. She's more like, look, you owe me an eye. I'm gonna help you, but after I'm done helping you, you gotta give me that eye. She keeps bringing it up too. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, I'll do this, but you give me an eye. Every chance she gets, I'm almost like, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. remember that eye you owe me? <laughs> I've not forgotten it. Making sure I'm you remember it. Don't be surprised when it happens. <laughs> I think. Uh, the one thing I you know, there were bits and pieces that I that I remembered of the story for the previous read through. Uh, even things that I remembered on in the climactic scene at the end of the book. And uh, and some things that I didn't. But I'll get to a couple of those on, on the next go-around. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the folklore really did it for me, even though it was 
an eclectic blend of folklore. It worked. It worked in ways that, you know, you got the Fae, you got Neverland, you got, you know, all this kind of stuff in the mix, and it just, it worked. It really worked. I kind of equate it to if you go to someone's house and they have just a bunch of, like, eclectic furniture that shouldn't go together, and yet for some reason there's a flow to it, and it all kind of is cohesive somehow. It's mm-hmm. kind of like that. You don't Isn't that called good taste? but um you think (laughs) but yeah it's kind of like that you know pieces that you didn't well at least that i like i said i didn't think would fit together kind of do in their own way it's kind of nice david uh what's your uh bring out the list what's my list list? Uh, your favorite Um, characters all right first off first off um i like all the fantasy about it about the magic how it kind of brought a modern era about it and then brought the magic into it with how they step through the mist and end up in some magical world where nick can't believe like a whole bunch of this stuff isn't is isn't supposed to be happening. Mm-hmm. Namely, the undead in the mist, the what they thought were undead flesh eaters, um, just the, the the little pixies running around or flying around, the elves, everything. Uh, I just really I just really liked how he brought in a, a modern day view of it. Um, and then uh, I also like how, I mean, I know some people had some problems with the story, but I just liked how the epilogue, the, or is it the prologue? Yeah, the prologue, the very beginning of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know it, it seemed kind of dark, but I like the fact how he was very descriptive on how bad these kids' childhoods were and how Peter was saving them. From... From one perspective, it does look like Peter has saved these children. There's also a version of Nick's telling things where it's like he's indoctrinating us to a fight a war. Possibly, yes. You know? Like, well, we're on the good stuff now, though. Yeah, yeah, right. I know, I know. Yeah, we're on the good stuff. <laughs> and Yuck, he basically trying. saved her. And, and if I'm reading the book correctly, it was the only original devil or one of the original devils that survived and that was cricket so that's the beginning of the girl that's what i was wondering i thought that was saved she was saved at the end that's Mm -hmm. cricket because there was hardly any other mention of a girl inside the devils besides cricket uh, so it has to be cricket and um, yeah, there was other things where where Nick was was saved from those drug druggies, mm-hmm. those drug gang members. A couple of the other kids uh, like Red Devil, Red, yeah. Red, and and Benjamin was it Benjamin? Yeah, because Benjamin was a slave during the Civil War. He's taken all these people out of some really serious bad conditions where they were most likely going to get killed. So I could see I could see Peter going, okay, I'll just take them here. At least if they're going to get killed, to get they'll get killed for a good cause or what he thought was a good cause. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little bit warped and twisted, but that's the way this book is supposed to be. Mm. So for it to be a happy, 
a happy, happy book, you're reading the wrong one. <laughs> well, and you know, it's like they say in court, intent is everything. Exactly. Peter, his reasons, even if somebody be maybe a little misguided to some degree or not fully great. Like they've said, he was purposely taking these kids to save them, so that they wouldn't be in those bad situations. And yes, he was also taking them for to fight, whatever. But like he says, either one one hell or the other. The yes, other. and even the kids, <coughs> even some of the kids that were there have agreed that he that he saved their lives. And yes, they're fighting another war for him. But they turned. He was. They were happy that Peter turned them into something. Gave them purpose. Pro- that, yeah, that gave them purpose that that they probably never would have had from the original world that they came from. Even Cricket, that was like in in the book where she was going to get molested, she turned into one of the saviors of the book and actually survived it all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. So, um, were you going to say something? There? I was going to say um, your your court analogy kind of falls short because um, we learn later in the book that Peter was under the influence of the Lady of the Lake. Yes, but going into the book, you see it from that perspective. That's true. Um, I also had, a, I mean, it, it felt like a Lord of the Flies feeling. Yeah, <laughs> very much. And I really, I really enjoyed that that book. Well, actually, I didn't read the book. I saw the movie several times, but I'm assuming that is. It's, well, it's close to the book. It's yeah, yeah it's close, close enough. enough. Depending and, on which movie you saw. Yeah, probably the. I think in the '90s version, I guess, oh, okay. or the late '80s or something. I don't, I don't recall. But um, this is had a kind of a, like a Lord of the Flies feel, and I like, I like that about the book about how all the kids are are in control of everything and. It, it, it reminded me of that book, of mm. the movie. Um, yeah, and the witch with the daughters. I thought, yeah, they were kind of creepy, and that in that one instance where where she was gonna kind of like play around with with uh, Peter until he kind of saw through the illusion and saw what she was and then poked her eye out. <laughs> I mean, he, I, I thought that was kind of creepy, but I could, uh, I, could I understood that the, the dangers that, that could happen, he, they, they should understand, like, yeah, that this, this book's going to be a little bit twisted and not everything is, is there as it seems. Because mm. in the end, it turned out that the Lady of the Lake, in my opinion, was probably the... The, the biggest threat to the island because she wasn't mentally there anymore because of her son dying. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if she never would have put up the mist in the first place to protect the place, the flesh eaters could have just left. They yeah. wouldn't have been trapped. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't have been trapped, causing all these problems for hundreds of years. And in her mental state, I consider her to be the biggest threat of yeah. Avalon. Hmm. And let me see. It goes with the whole unintentional threat. Like she wasn't trying to be the threat, but no, in no, doing she wasn't. In doing she, what she, she, she did, she, it, she ended up being the threat. Yeah, she she meant she she was mentally not there because her her son was dead. Yeah. Um, I liked how Brom gave this book this dark feeling, but uh, a dark feeling of desperation. 
and making these kids a little band of misfit, trouble-making, bad family, everything, mm-hmm. everything on that bad society. I like how they brought that that dark way together to bring these band of misfits together to fight the war. With them being the hope of the story. Yeah. Um, I thought it was... I mean, it kind of reminded me of the original Peter Pan. I was kind of sad not to see Tinkerbell. (laughs) We kind (laughs) of got that with the white fairy, the little white fairy. Yeah. But, um... There was... Yeah. At least that was a nod. It was a nod, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, um, I'd have to say my favorite character is the captain. Hmm. Because... It is the cap. It's definitely the captain, because Nick he was just a crybaby. I mean, yeah, he saw through the bullshit and wanted to go home, but he really wasn't helping. No. In, until until he was kind of forced into it. When the captain himself, that's when you find out that the captain they are not undead. Yeah, they may be flesh eaters, but your regular human being is a flesh eater when they eat a hot dog. <laughs> they are just trapped on the island for so long. And the food and the, and the water there kept them alive. Of course, by the time uh, nobody dies on yeah, the island, yeah, you know, basically, their 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 bodies are several hundred years old. Yeah, they're going to be kind of shriveled and kind of yeah undead looking, but they're not. They're real human beings. And when you get their version of the story, I was I was like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> these guys are are not the bad guys as as you as you read. As you've been told throughout the whole book, these mm. are the good guys, except for the preacher. We'll get Religious to him later. fanaticism, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I would consider the the preacher to be my favorite villain. I didn't even like Ulfgar. Ulfgar just seemed kind of like, eh, whatever. It, it kind of like, okay, what's this guy going to do? He's going to beat up people with a sword. Okay, whatever. I just didn't think of it. The preacher, the preacher is the one that scared me about his. He didn't have anything special about him except for religious fanaticism. Well, what's interesting is you bring up Ulfgar and the preacher because yeah. they, they're this book does something really nice with like paralleling. You know, you have the religious fanaticism in the pirates with the preacher, and then you have the religious fanaticism. I don't really consider them to be the pirates. They're, they're not. They're not pirates. Not pirates. Well, they're just. He's just a ship boat captain taking. Uh, Religious people to the new world. That's yeah. all they were. They were not pirates. But it basically was a band of pilgrims. Uh-huh. The pilgrims. All right. But again, not the original. But you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have the the the, the adults who they have their re- sect of religious um, insanity with mm-hmm. the preacher, and then you have the same thing within the fairy community with Wolfgar, who's holding to this doctrine for really no other reason than to just hold on to it. Yeah. Because he made a promise to his dad or something, his father. Would, but. So it's kind of like when, you know, somewhat reminiscent of like some of the religious wars that have been held in the past. Uh-huh. This group has their extreme beliefs, this group has their extreme beliefs, and they're kind of clashing like, you know, like you might yeah. see in some of the religious wars of the past. Well, exactly. Interesting, though, was that when. Ulf, Ulfgar went off the deep end. Yeah. He was just focused on revenge, or as he called it, dealing out justice. Yep. 
but it was basically his he was so focused on his revenge he did not even notice the island was being destroyed around him yeah he didn't notice that the sanctuary the haven had been invaded any of that until it had already happened and it was too late for him to do anything yeah which I thought was kind of sad I mean you just he's so focused on something and his father's been dead for how long and he's like yeah really whatever and then tried to pick but up. he was even though his father was dead in a physical sense he was still hearing his father's voice and it wasn't an insanity thing. I thought it was. But it wasn't because when Peter got cut with the sword and it was revealed that he had the same dad mm-hmm. and the power started flowing in his veins, then he started hearing his father's voice as well. Yeah. He must have been him. trapped in the sword then. So you're, you're thinking that that uh, Ulfgar is. I thought he was a bit insane. You I know, thought he was talking about his dad's voice and talking to him and whatnot, but he really was. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I like uh, my my favorite villain was definitely the preacher, the reverend. Yeah. Because. Um, I'm pretty sure that when the pilgrims were coming across the sea hundreds of years ago that he wasn't as serious or fanatical as he was when when you read about him in in the end it's just because he had been stuck there for several hundred years even the captain made that observation that he's not the same person that he is He's now just a sadistic torturer Uh at this point. Because I think back then, probably the sea captain and his crew were the dominant, and Mm. the the religious followers were kind of the the meek. And then, as time goes by, the the roles were slowly... They kept converting more and more of the the crew. Yeah, and then how the preacher was was, uh, manipulating everybody all in the name of the Lord and and even the the uh, the devils and the fairy folk were consider were considering how bad Christianity was and everything and and they I have a, I have a sneaky suspicion that that Brahm isn't religious <laughs> I get that feeling too <laughs> um, I have a sneaky suspicion that he's not religious yeah, and something must have happened to him because uh, they kind of make Christianity scary in here, and, and it makes it makes you feel like, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. There are times historically where Christianity has been scary, uh-huh. especially with some of the medieval tortures that they were going to be doing, mm-hmm. torturing them with not having any water, and then torturing them with with giving them too much water by drowning. Mm-hmm. And then gonna burn them. That, that, that those are all tortures that they that they did for the the Salem witch trials and, and witch hunts. Mm-hmm. Which was the period that they're from. Uh huh. They're just doing doing all that stuff. And you make the host body too unhospitable. Uh huh. For the demon to remain. Yeah. And um, 
it just kind of made that part scary and it kind of reminds me of what could they possibly do with that now if something really happened like end of the world kind of thing like a nuclear whatever attack or, or who knows what what could shut down America like I don't know EMP poles shut down all the power grid and we have no power everything's going to be going to be running around like chickens with their heads cut off and a lot of people are going to be looking for religious answers and yeah, I think now, nowadays you've got your preppers as they call it yeah. all, all those people who are preparing for the holocaust uh-huh. and, yeah. and also um, but the majority of people are just blindly going along and yeah but still if someone gets really organized and brings them together it kind of it kind of reminds me of this preacher in this book, and it, it's kind it, it's kind of scary, and it could form some kind of of a cult, and that kind of reminded me of the Scientology people right in our own town. Well, we've seen cult, well, yeah, Scientology, but we've seen cults like Jamestown and and other things like that happen too. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it yeah. could repeat itself. Oh, definitely, definitely. And it kind of it kind of like whoa, kind of scared me a little bit. But well, isn't that the point of a good book to scare you at least a little bit? Oh, it did. It did. It's like, whoa, yeah. But um, getting back to the captain, I liked their version of the story on uh, their view of why everything was happening. When, mm-hmm. they, when they got there, I'm pretty sure there's the, the story has been uh, manipulated on both sides. But if I was... A regular human being, and I was a captain. I got trapped on an island, and I saw all these weird monsters and things that don't look human coming out of the forest, coming at me. I think I would be scared too, and probably want to be shooting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what would you do if you saw a troll coming out of the forest when when you're trying to plant a garden because you were shipwrecked on an island? People are like, oh, good lord, what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> and then. Uh, them sabotaging the the forest by setting it on fire. I could see the point why they were doing that because they're figuring, okay, if we get rid of the 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 creatures that are in the forest that are threatening us, then maybe we could leave. They just wanted to leave. Mm, they didn't well, want. They to... they heard rumors of the lady and her yeah. haven. Yeah. And so if but we before could... that though, before, before the, be, yeah, before they they captured that kid, they started they started doing even more stuff after they found out the rumor of of the lady who was controlling the place. Right. If we can take her out and destroy her haven, then yeah, we'll break then, the spell and we're free to leave. Yeah, because that one ship that left or tried to leave. The, the mist, ghosts, spirits, or whatever, just ate them, ate them up. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of trapped on there. All they wanted to do was just leave. So I like, I liked, I liked uh, the captain's, the captain's version of it because if you read the book from cover to cover, the captain and his crew that remained loyal to him, those, those were the good guys of the book, mm-hmm. and it made. The beginnings of the book made it seem like oh they were they were the the monsters and they they really weren't yeah it was it, it surprised me um 
I'd say another part that I liked about it was Brahms' artwork. I really, I really enjoyed the artwork that he put in here, describer, describing, uh, or actually just showing you what, what he's an incredible like. artist. Oh, he's I, very good. I, I knew nothing of him before this book. He did, um, if my memory serves me right, I think he did some dark pictures of drow elves for 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 the Forgotten Realms book. Yeah, um, it's a Dungeons and Dragons book, and he he, he did some cover art for for the Dark Elves. I started following him on Instagram, and he doesn't post that much, but man, his paintings are incredible. Oh yeah, they're definitely dark and creepy, and I don't want to say they're undeadish. They're definitely like yeah, they kind of remind me of like undeadish a little bit, because mm-hmm. even in here where where he drew the. Where he drew the um, the even Ulfgar kind of looks undeadish, but the captain he definitely looks undeadish, and so does the Reverend. But they were just just very old people. Um, I like the the uh, the next part of it when they came into the present after Avalon fell, and the preacher and his fanatical followers made it into New York and how they thought all the lights of New York was heaven. Yeah. <laughs> and they were surprised by the the metal boat <laughs> instead of the wood that they're used to. They made it ashore and they're looking at the horseless carriages that were taxi cabs. <laughs> like that the the end of that book made me feel like this could be a movie. Yes. Yeah. Definitely could be a movie. Definitely. And the captain, he was just overjoyed. Oh, wow. This pistol shoots more than one bullet. Yeah. <laughs> and he saved it because he sh- I, I think he shot Ox with it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the fight in the park. You know, uh, almost everybody died. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, my last note on here is I think this would be a great six-hour miniseries. Like on, but I just don't think uh, it won't happen because because Peter Pan's a Disney movie. Well, I just don't. I don't think Disney would would approve of it. Disney doesn't they, own the rights to Peter Pan. Yeah, right. And this is a different take. They don't even call him Peter Pan. Yeah, they call him the Child Thief. Yeah. They call him that. They call him Peter. So as long as they avoided actually calling the movie Peter Pan. Yeah, you and can get away with just the child thing. No, you probably you could call it the child. They could call it. They could do a mini series off this movie, and it would. Oh, it would be great. The only thing they'd have to avoid is um, making them look like the Peter Pan of the Disney movie. But the art that Brahms provided, he looks nothing like that. So. No, because Peter Pan's wearing a a green leotard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. All right, you want to... That, that's about it for me. Okay, I was going to ask you, are you ready to move on to Wayne's <laughs> pros? Well, um, between Wayne and Dave, I think they covered all my pros. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> Sorry. Um, I liked the flashbacks of Peter's story of him growing up, and I liked his relationship with, uh, what's the name of the character who found him after he left his family's house? Uh, that troll. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember his name. Kind of a giant ogre. Yeah, but, yeah I like him. 
I liked it. Janitor, or I forgot what his name was. Um, I liked the the voice, the guy who did voice did the audiobook because I listened to the audiobook. I liked his vo- voicing of the story, and I liked, you know, mm. just the way he separated the voices and everything. So, but yeah, I liked that character. I liked kind of. I feel like it explained a lot of Peter's, like, look, life is war type of thing, attitude almost, you know, like, just because, like, yeah, how would you feel if at six you could talk and walk, but your family disowned you because you were more advanced and you're... It's more than disowned. <laughs> you're, well, they yeah. wanted the wolves to they eat They tried him. to kill him at one yeah, point. Yeah, left him out the It's woods. not... I don't know anybody who, no matter what age that happened, it wouldn't score them, you know? Yeah. Imagine even being 12, being 18, and having... His innocence of six days. Yeah. I honestly would not, would not know what to do if I had a kid... And six days later, it was talking and walking. I'd be like, um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not the normal course of things. So, on the one hand, you kind of understand the family freaking out. But on the other hand, it's like, okay, Peter just wanted to be part of the family. He didn't know that, that six days was abnormal to do that. Mm-hmm. He's learning stuff like kids at an accelerated rate, you know. He doesn't understand that walking and talking at six days old is... Not, uh, not even close to normal. Yeah. <laughs> when the normal, typical baby is just crying and pooping. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> and sleeping, and that's it. <laughs> sleeping, pooping, and eating. That's basically all most babies of that age would do, you know. So... So you kind of feel bad for Peter. <laughs> and yet, like, you know... Yeah, it's, I, like, I like the whole backstory and everything that is involved with that. I liked the captain. He was my favorite character. Um, I liked, like what Dave was saying earlier, is that you. I liked that Brom showed both sides of, like, from the captain and his group, you know, why they were doing what they were doing and kind of their thought processes, especially when you consider the time of the year that they first entered the mist, you know? Yeah. Like, it wasn't like, oh, it was 2005 and they entered the mist that year, you know? I mean, it's, you understand kind of where they're coming from when you understand the sentiment, or the, what was it, the ideology of the time when they first got lost in the mist, you know? They arrived like in... Well, the late 1600s. Something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... And it's 2005 when they return to the real world. Yeah, so a lot of it is just stuff that... You know, there's that realization uh, after they get back into present-day world. And the captain's like, his children, his grandchildren, even his great-grandchildren would have been gone by for years at this point, you know. Yeah. When you realize it's dang, you know, I'm so far out of the year that I left, you know. Like, they just totally didn't, they totally didn't realize how long had actually passed, you know. Several hundred years. You know, so, um, so yeah, I like that aspect of it. And I liked some of the other characters, like Cricket. I liked Cricket. Um... A lot of my favorite moments happened after they got back uh, yeah. to present time. Like, 
you know, when they're marveling at this, you know, present day and the moment when the, uh, the preacher, what was it that he saw? It was like a church, but it was church. like, yeah. yeah. And that church is actually in New York. And he was like, oh my gosh, a church, yes, you know, kind of thing. And Holy ground to kill her on. Yeah, so, you know, just I a lot of the reactions that they gave once they came back to present world. Yeah, and I thought he was very effective in presenting the present world through their eyes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like Brandon said, that's the moment when I could see, okay, either a TV show or a movie or, you know, something. I could totally see them making um, a, a film about, like, that moment particularly. Just they're coming from the mist to present day, you know. Uh, that's a very that was a very strong powerful image right there so Um, there are moments in this book that are really powerful there's the moment where Peter is seeing the heads of his former soldiers on pikes on the wall yeah on the wall and he's trying to remember their names and he's you know starts yelling off each name until he remembers it Hmm. you know yelling at the the, the flesh eaters, death has come for you, but he's got no bite. He can't actually, there's too many of them. He can't okay. actually. And then they run out and the captain pulls a sword and Peter just runs away. Yeah, <laughs> that's, he's that's a all kid. he can do. He's a kid. He can't, um, can't really do anything. Um, the fighting in this book is really well written. There's that moment where Peter and um, Wolfgar get into it. Wolfgar's an asshole. Um, Wolfgar? Wolfgar. Wolfgar's an asshole. But I love it. In that fight, he bites his ear off. Yeah. And, again, going back to the mirroring. Yeah, ever since that Wolfgar hated him. Yeah. But not just that. It mirrors the one-eared wolf that Peter had to deal with as a child in man's world. Mm -hmm. And the reverend, who half of his face is dead because of an attack by Peter. Yeah. Although it didn't go into details on that particular, he's just relating. He's the one that did this, and it was like an axe blow or something. And half of his face is just doesn't move or respond or anything. Yeah. So there's there's kind of like three parallels there. Yeah, I didn't catch that one earlier. Yeah. Um. But no, Brahm is. I'm curious to read more of his work because he's really good about like just the craft of storytelling, really making those things work on multiple levels. Um, and then the combat was, you know, as somebody who has experienced sword fighting, really well written. You know, about the footwork and the you know the pivoting and the shoulder. You know, it's about hips and. The faints. The faints. The you know that was was excellent. Um, I had a hard time getting into the book at first, but once we you know um, once you get a couple of chapters into it, um, it it picks up. I'd have to say, out of all the books that I read at the book club, this is my favorite one. I finished this book probably two weeks before. Oh, I know. Just, I remember getting it. Yeah. So he's like, I'm done. I'm like, wow. I think that's the fastest yeah. I've seen Dave read. burned through it. Oh, yeah. I burned through this one. This was probably one of my favorite ones. That's why I was trying to get one of our uh, other members to read the book because 
um, the prologue. We'll, we'll talk about that yeah. when we get, get around. Um, but the, one of the reasons why I thought you liked this so much was because it's very similar in tone to um, The Thief of Always. Yeah, it kind of is. Which is yeah. a book you recommended. Yeah. Like when, when this book first came up, like Child Thief was like, didn't we read that? Like, the, <laughs> you know, just, you know, the, the titles were kind of similar. Well, Thief of Always the child thief yeah yeah it kind of is yeah like when when first got thrown I was like no 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 we read that one yeah <laughs> uh, but no like, there's like I said there's just moments in in the book that are just brilliant you know Pan taking on gangster oh that was the one thing I was going to say um uh and I'm going to steal this wholeheartedly I'm going to eventually get around to it because I've never seen any other fiction take Peter Pan and place him in a modern setting. Yeah. Every other one is 1800s or, you know, they do an origin story or when you play with Pan or, you know, you either go further back or, you know, it's Peter, Wendy and... and, and no. That I found interesting because his original lost children was Wendy. One of them was was Wendland. Wendland. Yeah, Wind, What was it? Wendland. Wendland. Yeah. But they were the kids that the 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 pagan Druidic village kids that he rescued when the uh, Christians were coming in and killing off the Druids and the heathens and stuff. That was no. I like that. I like that a lot. So that that was part of his his original group mm-hmm. that he started with. Um, ever, there were a lot of little things that you forget about the Peter Pan mythos get used in this, like the Peter Bird, and you know mm-hmm. the like. There's little things like, oh yeah, that's part of the myth. Like not rereading Peter Pan. Like oh yeah that's in here that's yeah like they hit on a lot of the the they, they there hit on a lot of the nods to the original as well as to the the various pieces of folklore that he incorporated mm-hmm. so but yeah like seeing or reading about Pan dealing going up against gangsters and um, you know modern day crooks like that that I I really liked that. You know, and even Pan had the line of drugs. It's always drugs, like, you know. Yeah. Or Cricket's dad. Yeah. And then, yeah, a lot of it was drugs because the, the kid that was thrown out the window. Mm. And then you, you saw how he tried to bring the kid in and, and the kid freaked out in the mist and tried shooting the, the ghosts and the gun wouldn't work. And then, yeah. then the kid got lost and Peter just left him there. <laughs> it's like, this kid's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that all your favorites, or? Yeah, um, like I said, like, like I said, there, there's something brilliant about Peter Pan in a modern setting versus like the 1800s. You know. It was definitely different. Yeah, and and the fact that he was because he is part of the fairy folk, 
because he's steeped in the magic of the island of Avalon, he is faster on his reflexes, on his movements and stuff than normal humans. Oh yeah, you know, it's much, it's, much it's, it's it's like normal humans are almost moving in slow motion to him when he especially when he starts to fight. Yes, and that's one thing I loved about the um, the first time he comes up against the game. Like, oh, you want to play a game? Like, you saw that childish pant, like, you know, what game? Yeah. Like, what are the rules? Pulls out of the, the pants game. Yeah, what are the rules <laughs> of the pull of the game? Like, there, there's just, I like that. I like that a lot. And one of the favorite, one of my favorite things of all times is when a goofy or ridiculous concept is taken deadly serious. Like, you see it sometimes in comic books when somebody will take a goofy concept and just treat it absolutely deadly serious. Um, and there's a lot of that in this book. Um, and, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a lot of good things going on. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll uh, hand over my, uh, you know, succeed over to Wayne now. Okay. Bad stuff. Yeah, we'll go the critiques, comics, uh, comics. Stuff that we didn't. Negatives. Didn't care for so much. I, one of the things I had forgotten from my original reading. Spoiler alert, Nick dies at the end. Hmm. Yeah. I liked that. I did not. You didn't like the yeah, okay. I did not like that fact, but go ahead, Wayne. You know, it it uh, after all he had done, I wanted to see Nick live. I understand that the lady did not have the strength to heal his wound. Or the will to want to. Yeah. She's yeah. kind of a bitch. <laughs> Right now, she these events and the destruction of Avalon snapped her out of her funk. Mm-hmm. And she is now shouldering the responsibility that she should have been shouldering all along. And Peter hands her the apples from the apple tree, the sacred tree. And... her whole demeanor and everything changes because with the seeds in those apples she can rebuild Avalon Mm -hmm. and there won't be any humans there it will just be for the fairy folk and a lot of that came about because of Nick Now, I appreciate the fact that Peter honored Nick's final request and was on his way to deliver Nick's message to his mom and to take out Marco and his crew. We don't get that in the book, but we know he was on his way to do it. Yeah, that was one of my dislikes. I wanted Nick to do that. I could see that. Nick, Nick had... Nick was running away because of fear. Now Nick has changed. Nick now understands why his mom was doing what she was doing and that all he was doing was being having a big pity party and not helping. 
and at this point he has the skills and the training and because of his time on Avalon he also has that supernatural speed edge to handle Marco and his crew on his own and then he got killed <laughs> that, that was very disappointing so I was okay with it going because I thought Nick was a kind of an annoying character <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> but see, he he had. But I get what you guys are saying. He had grown and come around by the end. By the end there. Yeah. And so, I mean, yes, we we had come to care care for Peter and the denizens of Avalon and it's awesome the book ends that Avalon will be rebuilt what I also thought was kind of awesome although this isn't the awesome part was the fact that just the presence of the lady for the mere what two to four hours that she was present in New York on Manhattan Island they've gone off in the boat towards Avalon and Peter is working his way through the park and the magic that exists in our world starting to blossom Mm -hmm. and there's sprites flitting around in the tree and stuff like that it's like they're still here. Not as strong as on Avalon, but it's still here. So that, you know, that made, that made the ending a good ending, but it still didn't mollify me over the fact that Nick died and when he was at a point that he was capable of exacting his own revenge. I get what you're saying, but my like when, when I read that I was like, Oh my god, how many soldiers has Peter thrown at this war? And I felt like Nick was the last one. Like Nick is the last he's the he's the last lost boy. No more kids are gonna die for this war. You know. Yeah. And you know, on on the other side, other hand, even if Nick had succeeded in taking out Marco and his crew, he would still have to face the consequences. And Peter, with his magical nature, can be in and out, and nobody would have a clue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because if he's able to go and actually take care of Marco the way he would want to, then at best was that get him really I mean a life on the run for having killed Marco no. you could play himself defense or, or prison time do that mm. you guys are thinking inside the box you need to think outside the box you just you just plan it to where you could just take him out well he's out and around not necessarily I'd do it yeah. on the home turf now you don't have to do it at your house. You don't shit where you eat. 
we are talking about a child here. I'm not going to say would have he would have ran into it. No. Yeah. Yeah, but Nick was what fourteen? I mm-hmm. think he said in the book. Yep. And he's gotten so much combat experience that he would know, like, yeah, I, I can't do this at home, and probably just lure him to the park out in the middle of midnight or somewhere, and then where those bums were hiding, they were completely hidden. Just take him someplace where it's hidden, in some dark alley somewhere. Let them do it where where it's not be seen. You could just take him out, and then I'm home, mom, and then that would have been it. Yeah, but you also assume that shit. that Marco would have. Bit would have done that. He would have gone alone without backup to meet this. Even if he thinks so little of him, they doesn't think of him as a threat. He'd have to assume he'd willingly go alone with no backup to meet this kid. Hmm. Uh, even if he didn't go alone, Nick could have handled it. Yeah, he could have. Maybe. Hmm. Debatable. Anyways, I could. I, I could because yeah. I was I was disappointed with with that situation with Nick as well, because he had that sword too. That sword was oh the magic yeah yeah, yeah I mean just it's one a girl's sword. Who cares? <laughs> no, it's a girl sword, not a girl's sword. Uh, it's a yeah, yeah. And then he could have <laughs> easily have attacked Marco's crew, just one dead here, next one. Another dead there, and he could have planned it out, and then eventually just the same girl warfare they did on the flesh eaters. Mm-hmm. Just lured him out, he, and he was taught those tactics. Yeah, he could have easily have done it to some stupid kids that were probably wouldn't even prepare for it. They're just they're just trying to be intimidating to pull out their gun, and and what would they do if their leg just got chopped off? Yeah, and he's got super speed or a little bit of extra speed, so oh, yeah. not. Probably not Pam. Or if there was a gun pointed at him, it's like, whoop, there goes your hand. (laughs) It's over there with the gun. And they'll just see a stump of blood coming out all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, I thought that was very disappointing. I I understand it's about the child thief with Peter Pan, but they should have just put a little thing with Peter standing in the background saying, hey, you got this. I taught you how to do well. I'll just stand back here and play hopscotch or something while, while you take care of it. And then after that... They go off into the sunset or whatever it was. Yeah, but not every story deserves a happy ending. I'm, like I said, the ending felt perfect for me. Eh, I was disappointed with that. Mm. Um, there was also kind of like some weird, just little little discrepancies in there. In there, I, I think I'm probably I'm just overreacting a little like bit. Because I, I don't, nothing's coming to mind. Um, if they didn't want humans on the island. Where did Peter's mother and all those oh, all that, those Vikings and stuff go? That wasn't on the island. That wasn't on the island. Peter came. Peter came to the island when the witch, his children, dragged him through the mist. Okay, okay, that's well, where that is. Like Peter was in man's world then, then with with all that stuff. And then when he sees so the girl, so that means the horned one went into the normal world. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just didn't catch that. Yeah, like yes. when he went through the mist with the little girls because they were playing a game. Yeah, and they were the witch's daughters, and then he got lured in and found, and then he met Jenny Greenteeth, took yeah. her eye, which that scene was actually really well done with. You know, she bit his nipple, and you know, oh, fairy blood. You know. Yeah, he's an abomination. Yeah. Okay, I mean, 
Now that I know it. But he didn't get to the island until he went through the mist with the... With the girls. With the girls. Yeah. Okay. And he was pretty much like the age he is now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So going to the island is when he kind of stopped growing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or was it? I don't know. Did he stop growing earlier? They, they're not particularly clear, clear on that. the timeline. Yeah. But they did say his, his fairy blood would, you know... Not allow him to age. But then... Past if, a certain point. Mm-hmm. If I read it correctly, then, I'm pretty sure that there was another time in the book when Peter wanted a kid to play with that was, and went to that village, and there was different other... Vi- I, I don't want to say Vikings, but definitely some yeah, kind of that was Norsemen. before he went to Avalon. That was still... I don't know if that was or not, because... He ran into the forest, and that's where he met the troll. So they would have been there already. Uh, the, tr- the troll existed in man's world, too. Oh, it did? Yes. That, that was when there was still, you know, a few remaining magical creatures in the real world. They hadn't all fled to Avalon. Oh, okay, I didn't catch that then. There were just a couple couple the, the only The only... The only people who were trapped on Avalon were the flesh eaters, the people from the boats. Yeah. Pilgrim's captain and his crew. Mm-hmm. And the lady refused to lift the mist because she didn't believe they would leave. She believed yeah. that if she lifted the mist and more protected people the would island, come in. then more would come in. Yeah. But what I thought was kind of strange was um, if they're bitching and crying all the time, that they were hungry and they're starving to death and the forest is dying but Peter could go to the world and bring back people how come he just didn't bring back a whole bunch of food with him <laughs> he brought back candy bars and treats and stuff like yeah, that yeah candy bars yeah. oh wow that's going to last what he's f- a kid f- 15 minutes <laughs> he's a kid remember yeah, he's, he's trying also to a 14 year old yeah. a 1400 year old kid yeah he tried to bring back a game boy once and he's like it didn't work after the Miz because I really wanted one of those. Flashlights, <laughs> guns, none of those things work. The mist messes them up. Yeah, but he could have brought a whole bunch of, whole bunch of food with him. That's true. Because he, he did get all that Chinese food for Nick. Mm-hmm. How come he just didn't like going to Costco and get like, like, keep on going back and forth bringing food all the time? Costco dogs. Right. <laughs> or something. Mm-hmm. I understand it might have been a little bit of, a little bit of traveling, but... I don't know, maybe that's the, just, the you just want that is a risk. Well, I'm sure it was. There was there was a danger every time he went out of the mist that he wouldn't return. Mm-hmm. So when it's taking that risk or starving, you know. Yeah. At some point you gotta kinda gotta He's figure been out. Doing what, it for 1400 years. You gotta well, figure out the risk not 1400, but definitely since mm-hmm. the Civil War, and that's two hundred years. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Perhaps even longer. Yeah, because he brought in Seku or whatever. Sekeu. and she was part of the the, the pilgrims. Mm-hmm. And so that was fourteen hundred, early fifteen hundreds. So that was five hundred years right yeah. there, and he hasn't learned to go and grab food from modern day society. So, all right, uh, 
Who or David were on your negatives? I already, I already your, said most of mine. Is it yours? And Maylene. I know I'm in the minority here, but with the exception of the good things I liked, for the most part, I didn't care for the book. And that, the, at first, I couldn't figure out why. Because honestly, it wasn't that it was a bad story. It wasn't that the characters are bad. For a long time, I could not figure out why I didn't like the story. And it didn't even have anything to do with anything in the prologue. I had no problem with that. What the problem was for me was it took me 20 chapters before I actually got into the book. <laughs> Which, in my opinion, takes... Like, no book should take 20 chapters for me to get into the and book. it's, what, 28 chapters like 26, long? 26, 27, mm-hmm. like that, yeah. yeah. And so I, the fact... I mean, I... Again, there were parts that I did like about it. It's not that I thought everything was bad. It's not like I didn't like the characters, whatever. But just, it took me personally 20 chapters to get into the book. And that's like two thirds of the book right there. And so, like, that was my main problem was it wasn't until the captain became a bigger character that I started getting into it because like I said he was my favorite character and once he like we found out more about his past and who he was as a character that was when I was like okay good I like the story now which you know like I said considering it's only what 26 to 28 chapters somewhere around there mm-hmm. um, that for me felt like it was way too long to get into the book um, and like I said, I had no. It was not like I had any real problem with anything in the book up to then. I didn't have a problem with the prologue, which I know you know some of the people had a hard time getting through it. I didn't have any trouble with any of the characters per se or the story. I just, for me, it took way too long to get excited about the story to the point where I thought like I was what eighteen chapters in, and I'm sitting there thinking. I am so disconnected to the story that at this point I don't care if anyone lives or dies. Like, I don't love the characters like I should be loving the characters at this point. You know, if someone dies, I'd be like, okay, well, that sucks to be them. But, you know, I don't feel that connected. It, like I said, it wasn't until the captain showed up more. Because I know he was a little bit in the earlier chapters, but not a lot. Um, yeah, he was viewed as the monster. Yeah, he was viewed as the monster. That's the captain. Yeah, yeah. the captain. He's the evil. Yeah, one. then it's like, okay, evil one. Got it. Keep going. You know, kind of thing. I do like the idea that he didn't like fighting children. He's like, yeah, that I liked. Like I said, like I, he had a problem killing kids. I liked the captain. Yeah. He, it wasn't a simple bad guy. You know, like it wasn't just easy. Oh, that's a bad guy. Ha ha ha. And, the, and he, he didn't play into that role. You know, he mm-hmm. was just more like, look. If we can, I'd really not like to fight these kids here, you know. To the point where I was trying to escape at one point with, uh, what's his name? Was it Danny? Danny, yeah. Danny. So, Daniel. Daniel, I will not let them have this boy. Yeah. Yep. So, so, like I said, it wasn't that there was anything that I hated about the book. It just, it took way too long for me to get excited about the story and the plot and everything. So, that was my, that's really my only complaint about the book is that it, it just wasn't your thing. Yeah, it just wasn't my thing, really. I mean, again, not until chapter 20 or whatever, when the captain showed up again, you know. It's like, oh, okay, I, I like this guy. He's cool, you know. So, so um, I mentioned this in the Harry Potter, when we read Harry Potter. I have a problem with child abuse. There's a lot of child abuse in this book. Of course there is. Um, it's called The Child Thief. The Child Thief. But we mentioned a couple times the prologue. Um, 
I got a little ways into that prologue and had to shut it off. I was like, nope, I don't want to read about child molestation. Like that's that's a that's a red line for me. That I had a hard time pushing through. Um, I know some other members. Like if I was reading this for Plet, just myself outside the book club, I would have stopped there and put it down. I wouldn't have gone back. Like I just that's, consider it just to be a book. I, I guess, mean, uh, and and some people can. Some I guess pe- my feelings are a little bit harder than some people's. I guess. No, well, it's not harder. It's just some people can separate that. But some people can look at it and say, "Okay, this is a book. This isn't real life." It's. I, I hate to use this term because I, I don't think it's a good term, but you know, child molestation is kind of a trigger for me. Like that's just something I don't want to read about. That's something I'm. I'm. I don't. Fiction or nonfiction, I just it's 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 this you know I'm done. Like I don't want to read about it. Um, I, it's just it's I have a hard time even with movies that deal with that subject matter. It's not something I, I did, and you know so like I understand when some of our other members have the same issue, but like I'm just saying if if this was. I was reading this at home for myself. Once I got like three paragraphs into the prologue, I would have closed it and put it away. Like that would have been my, I'm done. Um, I mean, I'm glad I pushed through it. I'm glad I, you know, finished the book. Because once you get a little ways from that, it does pick up and it, it, you know, it is a good book. But for me, that would have been my nope. I'm done. Yeah, and that's just and I admit that that it's not a critique on the book. It's a critique on the subject matter because that's a that's kind of like a personal thing. Like, yeah, that's a personal way. It has nothing. It's, it's no reflection on the book itself. It's just the subject matter yeah. that is. Like, there's a reason I don't like. Was it um, that show? Uh, yes, whatever with the cops and the. Law and Order, Law and Order SVU, SVU or whatever. I can't, I can't watch that. That's just, not, I, I will not watch that show. So, why? Because it's all about kids getting molested. Um, Special Victims Unit. Yeah. yeah, like that's just that's. There's like a lot of the plot line. Eighty mm-hmm. percent of the shows are related to that in some way or other. Well, I'm sure. I thought they're great shows. I mean. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's it's just the way I think. Yeah, I go, oh well, that sucks. But I I I don't want to say I force myself. I just I just read it and I go, oh wow, man, this this kid's going through hell. And oh great, Peter came in and yeah. saved her and kicked that guy's ass. And you, you can that's, see that's it, all I see. Yeah, you can see it as the wish fulfillment of of here's the hero to save the day. Or, no. And it is like for all those who are, it's hard like a hard subject. Cause it is a little bit for me, but not as much as like you know others. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of nice to see, haha, that character got what was coming. Oh yeah, yeah, no, he it, was a dick, and he got what was coming to him. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if it's, it's me or the way I think, but the, the prologue didn't affect me in any in any in any way whatsoever. Yeah, that's that's fine. Like you know, Brahms definitely writing to. He's doing that to show a darker tone. Yeah, yeah he, he, he he did that dark tone for for that to show what the kids are going through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and on that end, you can actually say he did a really good job because 
not only did he handle a, a dark subject, but even if you, if you take out how you feel about it, he actually did it well. Like yeah. say, look, this crap happens. It's horrible. Wouldn't it be nice if someone like Peter could come in and bam, uh-huh. take care of it? You yeah, know? And, that, and I, if I read the book correctly, that was cricket. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. it was cricket too. Yeah, because she was basically the only girl. No names were ever mentioned, but yeah, yeah I'm pretty I mean, sure it was cricket. Yeah, generic girl, whatever, yeah. got killed. They never really mentioned anyone but cricket and say Sakeu. Which we know it wasn't Sakeu because because no, she got killed in yeah. In, in there, and it was definitely she was she was an Indian from the Pilgrims. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we knew. So it I'm wasn't pretty sure her. it was Cricket. Yeah. So, so I said, that's really just my only my only qualm with with the book is it. I mean, it starts dark, and then it, it it's a roller coaster. It's a good uh-huh. book. Yeah, all the kids had some messed up lives, and I think the the, the prologue there was just one of the. One of the examples. lives that was just what's yeah. messed up. Mm-hmm. It was one of the examples that Braun decided to use to show how Peter was interfering with these kids, like interacting with these kids and saving them from their lives. And it was one of the many bad situations he wanted to use as an example. Like this kid had problems with molestation. This kid had problems with drug, you know, drugs yeah. around him. And it was just one of the mm-hmm. many situations that he takes kids away Red Bone was was uh, dealing with prostitution in the yeah, 70s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Benjamin was a slave. Abraham. 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 Yeah. He was a slave during the Civil War. So yeah, it was just an example of one of many things, you know, yeah. that messed up with the people. You know. Hey, that's that's what Peter brought. He brought, he brought all the, the people that were going through hard times and yeah. saying, hey, I could bring you here. But he didn't really tell them what was going to be <laughs> happening over there. No. Oh, the other thing I didn't like was I didn't like Leroy. He was a little. Oh, Leroy was an asshole. Yeah. yeah. He was an asshole. <laughs> oh god. I kept wanting Leroy to get some <laughs> kind of redemptive arc because there's moments where Leroy and Nick are working together. I'm like, oh, they're gonna get Pat. No. No. Leroy's an asshole. Oh, <laughs> hey, there was another. There was another thing in there that I didn't like, and it was with Leroy. He killed one of the fairies. Mm-hmm. And they never did anything about it in there. Yeah. No, you, the evidence, the, the the dead fairy evidence went against Nick. Yeah. You know, because one, Sequoia, Sequoia, it's like, I found a crushed fairy. And they're thinking it was Nick because Nick was having problems with the, the magic and possible yeah, turn. Anger and stuff. Yeah. You know. But the implication when they first said it was it implied that if you killed one, the other fairies would know. Yeah, and but you, the other fairies never did nothing. Right. The other fairies did nothing. Cricket and Nick and the other kid, uh, I forgot what the other kid's name was, they all saw Leroy kill that fairy. Yeah. Danny, wasn't Danny the other kid? I, I don't recall yeah, what Danny. Was. Danny Cricket. But none of them said nothing? They're all new blood. They're probably too afraid to... Yeah, so was Leroy. He he didn't he didn't become a devil yet. That's true, but th- there was a little bit of problem with that scene because I thought nobody's going to get a shovel. No one's going to bury this thing. They're just going to leave it. Yeah, leave it dead in there, and no one knew it. I mean, that yeah. thing was when when Nick swatted it and and heard it. The thing was going Aah! screaming, and everyone heard. But when Leroy scrunched the thing with his boot. 
mean, it made no sound and no one heard nothing? I'm sorry, but something going through its death woes versus... Getting a broken wing. Yeah, yeah, getting a broken wing is is, is going to be a lot different, especially yeah. what they wanted to do to Nick. Yeah, we have to mark him. They're going to probably yeah. cut his face or something. I mean, what do you think they would have done to Leroy if they saw him kill one? Right. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like, what? how come they didn't do anything to him? They didn't do nothing to him. <laughs> yeah. And that... That is kind of an inconsistency yeah. in the way that they implied that if you harm one of the fairies, people know about it. Yeah, yeah and then you're going to get harmed. And then Leroy killed one and nothing happened. <laughs> but, you know, he, w- he was needed for other stuff, too, oh, I know. before the end of the story. But still, I concur. So we doing the final Yeah, final that's thoughts? final thoughts. Let's wrap this up. Wayne. Wayne, final thoughts. I wanna know what happens to the captain and Danny. <laughs> the massive battle there in Battery Park. The fairies make it away to found a new, a new Avalon. Uh a lot of the Death Eaters are killed in the final battle. What happened to Cricket? Where'd some, some of them, some of the Death Eaters just kind of vanished, you know, in the alleyways and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the Flesh Eaters. Flesh Eaters. Sorry, <laughs> Flesh Eaters. What'd you call them? Death Eaters. Oh, death eaters. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? I what? missed that part of the book. <laughs> yeah, Flesh Eaters. My mistake. But you know, it's kind of like the cops, even the special forces guys, split because of the weirdness going on. Mm-hmm. So, who knows <clears throat> how long they're going to be? running into the remnant that's left and how they're going to respond to them or whatever. Yeah. But it's like the captain rescues Danny and off they go. Yeah, where did they go? And it's kind of like the captain, even though he is... 300 years old? Not a villain (laughs) at this point, you know... Obviously, he is a fish out of water, yeah. out of time, and and Danny's going to end up on some kind of missing child list, and they're going to find him, and then go, "Who's this dude?" Yeah. <laughs> and arrest the captain, you know, for abduction or something. So it's kind of like I want to know their story. What happens to them? You know, <laughs> yeah. do do they? Do they end up surviving? Uh, Who knows? What happened to Cricket? She made the choice at the end not to go. Well, I know. She, she's basically in downtown New York, 2006, with Nick, dead Nick in her lap. <laughs> yeah. What happened to her? She's definitely not going to go back home to her, to her father because he was dead in the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so she's but how how long was she gone? 
doesn't say really. She's been she's been missing. Dead dad is already discovered. Oh yeah, but kids gone missing. Yeah, it doesn't really say how long. So she doesn't say what year she was taken and what year. I mean, right. her year is two thousand six. Uh, there's obviously enough time passed that they're doing the case. They may be they, for what was done to him. She's not a suspect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because physically, she would not have been able to do what Peter did to her no. dad. No. Could you imagine X amount of years go by and you got this missing girl and she shows up ex- exactly looking exactly like she did? Well, you know, I don't know that that it was. It might have been a year or two, but mm-hmm. it yeah. might it might also have been you know six months, mm-hmm. you know, or six years. You know, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But she's back and she's staying there with Nick. Yeah. You know, Nick was a runaway. He'll obviously be. You know, family contacted and and all of that, but no nobody really knows authority wise what went down in the park. Yeah. Nope. And she'll be there with Nick, and so she's found probably end up going into uh, child protective services. Mm. Yeah. You know, something like that. But she's survived. She's also had the same training that Nick's had, so she's not going to take anything from anybody at this point. Yeah. You know? And, uh... I've killed flush eaters. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... What'd you do with your life? She has that killer instinct. Mm-hmm. So... I think she'll come out of it okay. But... I want to know the Danny and the Captain's story. That's yeah, that has my curiosity peaked. Uh-huh. It may not be a full novel; it might just be a novella or even a short story. But I want to know. There's <laughs> more there. <laughs> well, right, um, Dave, final yeah, thoughts. The final thoughts. I I honestly think they should try to make this into a movie. I think it would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Or a mini series. Yeah, mini series, like a three part like HBO mini series. Three part mini series or something. I think that'd be that'd be kinda neat. Three part, six part, however long it takes to tell the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And do it justice. Yeah. I hate it when they deter from the book. But uh yeah. I had a shirt for a while that said never judge a book by its movie. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah, usually the book is almost always better. Very rarely have I ever encountered it to be the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> I've only had one movie. Maze Runner. Yeah, Maze <laughs> Runner. Only other time where I've seen the, the movie be better than the book was uh, this comic book movie. Um, was Pixar's adaptation of Big Hero 6. <laughs> ah, that the, was good. The movie is great. The comic book, not so much. Really? Mm-hmm. With me, it was Stephen King's Christine. Mm. I like the movie so much better than the book. That's the killer car, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but other than that, I read, movie, I read yeah. the book. I, I don't recall if I saw the movie or not. I like the movie so much better. Yeah. So, Millie? My general thought process is don't let the idea of a dark Peter Pan scare anybody off in this book. It... Like I said, my only problem was 
no. It just bored you probably. It just yeah. So it's not a bad book. I, I'm not gonna say it's a bad book at all. So don't let the concept scare anybody off. Just you know, give it a, a chance. You you're know, you're gonna like it or you're not. Yeah, you either. Yeah. You know, it, it's. I will say it's it's definitely one of those that you either will like it or you won't. It's not a very in between novel. Yeah, no, it's, it's no. an adult book. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> Interestingly enough. It was probably four years ago, four or five years ago that I, I read it. Uh-huh. And I really enjoyed it at that time. Yeah. And this time around, I had trouble getting into it. Uh-huh. Mm. Go figure. Probably because you read it before? That hasn't bothered me. I've, I've read Dune six times. You know how long that book is. Yeah. Mm. I got it. I really like Dune. I mean, it was once I got through to the end. Yeah, I liked it. So that's my only thought was, you know, give it a chance. As long as you know, don't like I said, don't let the dark Peter Pan aspect of it scare anybody off. So no, I like the concept. I like the execution. There's just some moments in there that I don't particularly care for. They have uh, to set the mood. Yeah. Yes. So it's. I'm glad I read it, but it's one of those things. Like I said, I I probably wouldn't have otherwise. So, okay. all right, time to pick a book. All right, who, who open the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Oh man, you should got to you got to insert the uh, wash. What mm-hmm. Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, uh, I guess I haven't been here you, a while. You, you haven't been here a couple times around. Not that one, no. though. <laughs> Brandon, who said put the right one? <laughs> no. Oh God. Was it? Um, next month we will be reading the Hunger Games by uh, <laughs> Suzanne Collins. Oh, wow. I have a feeling that Justin put that one in there. Actually, I did. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I did. I put that so. one back in. I'm not hungry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, until next time, Hunger Games. Bye. All right. You have a good day. And there you have it, people of the interwebs. That was The Child Thief. Um, one of my absolute favorite books we've ever read uh, for this for the book club. Um, I had a blast reading this. I can remember exactly where I was walking into work and thinking, man, I don't want to go to work. I want to finish this. I want to I just, ah. Uh, um you know, like it's such, it was, ooh, there was moments that just, just hooked me, um, from the child thief. Uh, so, but moving forward, the next episode, I don't want to say next month, because I know we're gonna, you know, I'm bad at uploading, as, as you, the listener, know, um, but we, we're, I'm gonna try to move to a weekly upload schedule as we, um, because during the pandemic, I know I haven't been uploading, but we've been recording. So I have a bunch of backlog I need to get through. Um, once again, if you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash destinycomics, where you can get episodes of this podcast early, as well as all kinds of cool things, such as exclusive bookmarks, um, access to videos, and, and all kinds of cool stuff. So thank you for listening to the Bookies podcast, and uh, I hope you uh, keep reading.